You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. I build my budget around the amount I invest first. Then how much is the rest of my life going to consume of the money? Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Des. All right, well, welcome uh, to this week's Momentum. It is Tim and Des with you once again. Des, are you well this week, my friend? You good? Yeah, it's good. Good to be back. MomentumAustralia.org is our website. Love you to check out the website after the show. Find out a bit more about uh, who we are, our aim in Momentum, and of course, some resources online too at MomentumAustralia.org. But our special guest again this week is Wes Hone from Business Greenhouse. That's businessgreenhouse.com.au. Wes is on a mission to help Christian business owners receive the support they need to build profitable businesses, but he also loves to coach people in this area as well. You know, last week we had on the show, we had a great overview of some of the basic things the Bible says about money. And this week we're looking at some financial basics, things you can implement, things you, you can grow into and it, and to enable you to expand your finances and wealth for the right reason. And that's, I guess that's key. Welcome back to Momentum, Wes. It's great to be with you guys again. Just to encourage you uh, listeners to go back and have a listen to last week's episode in full. There was a lot in there. And to be honest, we, we kind of scratched the surface of a lot of it too. But, uh, you know, this week we're going to go a little deeper and look at some financial basics. But I suppose before we start that conversation, Wes, it's good to acknowledge that we're all at different points. We're all at different ages. We're all at different points on that financial journey. Some of it may be basic for you. Some of it might be a good starting point. For somebody, you know, it might be a stretch. But uh, what we're really looking at laying is some foundations here. So I suppose, um, Wes, before we do that, I'm going to talk to you a bit about mindset before we start off um, and upbringing. We mentioned that a little bit in the first show about, you know, our family of origin, their mindset, how that impacts us. But um, how do you think our mindset and how we look at money, how we feel about money, how we think about money, and we may not even think about that too much because it's been ingrained from a young age, but how much do you think that affects money in general? It was also a taboo subject at our dinner table as a young child for some reason. Mm. It's not in my house now. I, I don't want my kids to have a bad relationship with money. So I want to talk about it, right? But but back when I was a child, no, no, it was, you know, we just didn't really want to. And, you know, and I heard all the phrases, money doesn't grow on trees, yeah. you know. I still remember a time when I came home from school and said, mum, you've been lying to me. And she said, what do you mean? I said, you told me money makes the world go round. I found out today gravity makes the world go round. <laughs> and and uh, didn't really have a great answer for me. Um, it, but, but, it, but we have so many stupid phrases around money that really don't set us up to win, right? You know, money doesn't grow on trees or something like that. Like, because here's what I learned at about 18 years of age. At any second in the world, $13 trillion is traded. Wow. Well, that means money's not hard to come by. I just need a better model to go and get some, right? Yeah. Like, I realized there was more than enough money, right? You know, more than yeah. enough for me. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I just think we probably, sometimes we need to go through a process of reprogramming our mind. Mm. And, and to be fair, like my parents weren't trying to set me up to fail. It's just what they heard. Mm. Yeah. So they were just repeating what they knew was comfortable. Um, it just doesn't work. That's the problem, right? And and it's it's funny because if I go back to when I was a young child, the world then had nowhere near the separation of financial classes than it does today. Mm, yeah. So everyone was a lot more equal like thirty years ago, right? Yeah. In terms of in terms of wealth creation, and now the disparity is massive, right? And that's I mean, this is not today's topic, but that is the marker of the end of an empire, worldly empire. That is what happens 
towards the fall of a worldly empire is you get this massive disparity in wealth. But today, because it's such an important part of our lives, it has to be, mm. we need to talk about it. Mm. We can't just gloss over it as a non-important issue. Whereas it seems to me that some people might have a fear around money. Some of it is, I suppose, because it has power. Some of it is that they don't understand it. What are your thoughts around that? And do you think that that's fairly accurate to say that some, maybe most people have a degree of fear around money? Yes, I think so. And and it's healthy in some respects. Mm-hmm. Fear is, um, we're born with two. We're born with a fear of heights, like falling, and we're born with a fear of loud noises. All the rest, we just assume, <laughs> right? Um, you know, but the... But the fear of falling is a really good one. You get to the end of a cliff and it kicks in, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like it's there for a reason. It's yeah. it's valuable, yeah. right? There is um, a fear, I think, that money corrupts, and and it is a it is a real fear for a Christian, right? You know, because because mammon, mammon that the, the Bible talks about is not money. Mammon is a is a deity that's looking for your allegiance a false God that wants you to give your allegiance to mammon instead of God. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and we've seen thousands of people through the years that have given their, they might've started out with an allegiance to God. They end up giving their allegiance to mammon and it just completely takes them out. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and they become an ineffective Christian or or literally don't want to know God is the outcome of that. So Mm -hmm. that's why I think some people are fearful of, well, what does it mean? I don't want to get caught up in mammon, so better off to just not go for money. Mm. Standing that, you know, the scripture that says it's easier for the camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man go to heaven. It also mm. goes on to say, but with God, all things are possible. Right. The way that you can go for wealth without the fear of it entangling you is to stay intimate with the Lord. That's the yes. end so to making sure that it doesn't take you out. So people would say, um, you know, all I want to do is have a bank account and put, you know, a bit aside every week into a bank account and, you know, I'll end up getting half a percent or whatever the interest rate is. But there's smarter ways of doing life than that, isn't there? Just give me the money. I'll give you more than half a percent. Don't remember that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, yes, there are a lot of people that are, that want that easy road. And, and the, and the system is set up for that. That's what school is for. School is to make you do that. Right? School is to make you comply to the system yeah. so that you become a good citizen and work really hard and, you know, and increase GDP and then put your money somewhere safe. And I'll tell you what's really interesting. When you give your money to a bank, they don't want it, right? When you put your money in a savings account to the bank, that's a liability because they've got to pay interest on it. Mm. The minute the bank gets cash, they try and get rid of it as yeah. fast as they possibly can because cash is trash, right? So, mm. So, I mean, I, I would never, obviously you want a little bit of a buffer. You want a buffer, right? The rego, the washing machine breaks down. Yeah. You need a little buffer. But it needs to be a lot smaller than you think. And the rest of the money you've got to put to work to turn a liability into an asset. Mm. Mm. Um, but the banks don't want your cash. So that's an indicator of how you should view <laughs> cash at bank, right? They don't want it. You shouldn't have it either. And, um, and, and it's, you know, in, in fact, cash at bank today, is worse than in the parable of the minas, the person that hid their treasure in the ground. In, in the story of the parable of the minas, the person hid there in the ground, they came back, they gave him what he started with. Today, money in the bank will be worth 8% less in 12 months' time. Hmm. Inflation. Hmm. So 
like cash really is trash. You, you've got, you've got to get that money and you've got to get it to work. And there's lots of different ways you can do that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, let's expand on that. I mean, I was going to go with the buffer thing. Maybe we can come back to that because, you know, you said that it's a lot less than people actually need realistically, but then I've heard other people say, well, you need, you know, ideally you should have six months of your income in case, you know, you lose your job or whatever, and you should have this. And then there's the, you know, the practical stuff like you're saying, the buffer in case the washing machine breaks down or you, you know, you need a new engine in your car or whatever. Uh, as a, as a, is there a, a rough guide as to what the average buffer should be in a family and, and, and those sorts of things? What do you think about this idea also of this six months, you know, income stored up in case? So if I put it into a business setting, um, if I set out to have six months of expenses as a buffer, I'm growing too slow. I should, I should never be able to get to that point because I should be growing fast enough that I can't catch it. Hmm. So you might get to two or three months, but you shouldn't get to six because you're growing too slow if you can do that, right? Right. As a family, the, the thing is about taking money and putting it into something that works for you is in some senses, you can get that money back really quickly if you need to depending on the strategy that you choose. Mm. So keeping it as cash is a really bad idea. Putting it into something that you can liquidate if you need the extra is a really good idea. You mentioned options before. What's your advice on options? If people have got this chunk and they go, okay, well, rather than me putting it in my savings account, what, what are some good options that I can get some growth out of this thing? So I just chose real estate as a young person. Went to all the seminars, went to everything I could, studied it like crazy. Because to me, I was like, you know, it's the scarcest of resource, you know, like, because the other thing that's funny about printing cash, like saving cash is they've just printed like 40% of the cash in the world today has been put out in the last two years, right? <laughs> Why would you collect something that they keep making more of, right? Hmm. Um, um, obviously stocks or managed funds would be a better option because at least there's an undervalued, there's a, there's a, there's a value underpinning it. There's a business that makes a profit so it can it produce and then with real estate, of course, there's a limit to the amount of land and, and, and obviously councils don't want to give it up anyway. So they're keeping the prices high. Um, and so for me, it's real estate, but that's, it is hard to get started. I, I also acknowledge that. And so, you know, managed funds, direct stocks, um, are, are, and they're way more liquid, right? You can buy stocks today. You could have an emergency in three months time and sell some of them. Right. So um, they're very liquid. Uh, and, and, and also maybe not as good, but, but, but liquid. So I think any of those is better than, um, keeping cash. And you'll notice that I didn't say self-managed super funds and I didn't say super and I didn't say crypto <laughs> because to me, they're, they're just, in my opinion, they're bad ideas. So, you know, I, I would never buy an asset that doesn't produce a yield. Yeah. Right. So with real estate, you get rent with shares, you get dividends, right. You know, with, with managed funds, you get some sort of interest component. Yeah. So they're all really good, but things like crypto, an absolute disaster, right. As we've seen more people lose than win. Um, and the whole model is designed to for elites to have a few and everybody else has none. Hmm. It's, you know, that they're, they're all, in my opinion, bad investments. Wow. You I mean, you say it's a game of choices, Wes, it, it, when you, Go, just scan back over the last sort of few minutes. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you mean by that? Like the choices that we make, I mean, will determine to some degree how successful, how much we can grow. 
every single person can be financially independent if they or financially wealthy. I'm not a fan of independent, but you know they can they can build wealth. Um, but it just takes a long time, and that's the price that most people are not willing to pay. Mm-hmm. They're not like we mentioned on last week's episode. We talk about you know living without, living within your means, not not spending all your money. And if you don't, if you don't, if you do those things, you'll have spare money to put into assets. And if you've only got a little bit, then the only other lever you've got is more time. Yeah, yeah. And and then people, what 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 most people do, most people's behaviour is they go right. I want to build wealth, and then they'll they'll start a little investment fund, and they'll get to a certain amount of money, and they'll look and go, man, this is this is going to take me another fifteen years. Oh well, I'll just go on a cruise, right? And I'll take <laughs> half that and, and and they never end up building. And ironically, you've you know, and and, and what's hilarious. The 15 years is going to pass anyway. Yeah. Mm. You'll either get to the end of it and you had a few cruises and you're broke, or you'll get to the end of it and you actually built something that you can pass on for generations. So, mm. but it, you know what? It's not even crazy and it's not, it's not even romantic. It's just take a little bit of money and put it into an asset class that you choose and rinse and repeat that as often as you can for as long as you can. And mm. it always works out okay. And one of the things that uh, people talk about and when they talk about their finances is the whole area of, budgeting and obviously budgeting is a key to kingdom growth yeah i mean you know the state of your flocks right yeah. if, if you don't know what's coming in and what's going out the chances of you having anything left over to save is really low or invest um so and and people say to me but my budget fluctuates it doesn't it, it, you know it's just that on the last day of the month there's more or less money to distribute. There's still a budget that you have to give the money to. And so for me, I, I, I build my budget around the amount I invest first, then how much is the rest of my life going to consume of the money? Well, wow. um, and, and have done that since I made a commitment uh, when the GFC started 2008 that I would contribute profits every single month into an investment account, and I haven't missed a month since 2008. My budget is created around how much money goes into the investment fund before it's ever how much money do I have for going out this month or whatever. Yeah, wow, that's a, that's a great principle in itself. Wes, um, you, you say you can't save your way to financial freedom, right? I'm gonna, we're going to pause that there and we're going to come back in the second part of the show and explore that and a few other things as too. We're talking with Wes Hone from uh, Business Greenhouse. Businessgreenhouse.com.au is the website, MomentumAustralia.org. It is, of course, Momentum that you are listening to all around Australia with Tim Days and our special guest, Wes Hone. We're going to come back and have some more financial business and money conversations with Wes after the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Well, this is uh, Momentum. Thanks for sticking around and thanks for tuning back in. MomentumAustralia.org is our website and our special guest this week with uh, myself, Tim and Des is uh, Wes Hone from Business Greenhouse, businessgreenhouse.com.au. Wes is across all things business-related, finance-related, and we're looking at some financial basics today. Um, Wes, one of the things I teased before we took a break was uh, you, you say you can't save your way to financial freedom. Now, we've talked about the fact that savings are good, keeping money aside and living beyond our means. So expand on that because that kind of sounds like it's the opposite end of the spectrum to what we've been talking about. Mm. Well, it's just maths at the end of the day, right? So if you put your money in a bank account today, um, I mean, 
today they'll pay you half a percent. If you if you lock it up in a term deposit, you might get three percent now in this high inflation environment. And maybe that goes to four, maybe even higher. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but it, but if they're paying you three percent and inflation is eight percent, mm-hmm. you've already lost five percent of your money a year later, right? So so you you just you can you can never get ahead with that like so then you go and put more money in it because you work another year and you save some more and you just lose five percent on a bigger number right yeah, so, exactly so you, it, the, the maths just don't add up right plus of course they charge you all the other fees to be able to use your money and transfer your money and all those sort of things right so they just mm. chip away at your money all the time mm. so but of course it's it's a slight change but you can invest your way to financial freedom right Hmm. You just can't save. You, the, the whole the whole model is 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 designed for you not to win with with savings. Okay, so so yeah, invest just just the same money. You know, basically split the amount of money. You might you might say, okay, well, this month I've got a thousand dollars spare. I will I'll save a hundred and I'll invest nine hundred. Right, just so your buffer's always growing a little bit, and and your investments out there as well. Just it doesn't mm. have to be ninety ten; it could be fifty fifty, whatever. But just just in, it's the investments that compound over time, right? Mm. You know, it, if cash loses five percent and your investment makes you five percent, that's a ten percent variation. Mm. Take mm. that over the next thirteen years, and and you know you'll you'll make a massive difference on capital. So mm. um, that's that's the answer. Whereas we hear a lot in today's society about, you know, not having a single income, um, additional income streams, those sorts of things. Side hustles is a big one. Um, what are your thoughts around that? And and can you give us, if you think it's a good idea for people, what might be some practical things that they could do that, because I mean, the reality is all of us are on time, right? It's time. It's like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. I could use an extra income, but, you know, I've got a, I, I've only got so many hours in my life that I can give to that. So what are your thoughts around that? We just have to look at return on time as, and then what's the best way. You know, I literally meet people who, um, let's give a scenario, a salesperson who starts a side hustle and works five hours a night after, after hours and they make a little bit extra. I'm like, you could have put that effort into your core job and probably earn twice as much money. Like Mm. you don't have to have a side hustle for the sake of a side hustle. Okay. So um, now it, it might be a good way to supplement some income, um, and multiple streams of income are definitely a key to wealth. Definitely a key to wealth. And, and the reason being, just practically, is um, if one if one stream of income feeds you and your family, well, your second one doesn't have to feed you. So you can take yeah. all of that spare money and grow that grow that income, right? Or invest that income or whatever you want. Like you eat mm. from this, you eat from this one, but you don't have to eat from this one. And so you know. That, that's why for me, there's real estate income and development income and business income and passive income. And, you know, like within the business, there's like for me, it's because I only need one of those to feed the family and the rest can be used mm. for other things. Yeah. Um, you definitely do need to get your income up though. It's just how best to do that. And the other thing I would say, and, and I think this is a mistake in the world that we live in today, you know, if, if taking on a side hustle means your intimacy with the Lord completely disappears, then it's a bad idea. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You've got to be able to keep, you know, the main parts of your life. We call them the five Fs, faith, family, finance, fitness, and fun. They're really the things you've got to manage. Yeah. If if chasing more finance means that your faith falls over, that's not a good idea. Yeah. If, if chasing more finance means that your fitness falls over, that's a bad idea. And you can for a season, but you can't forever. Yeah. You, you can neglect. You can neglect things in your life for a season, but you can't neglect them forever without it being 
causing you grief. Um, so I would say, yeah, you've got to get your income up. And the side hustle is a great way because you can normally get a much better hourly rate if you like. But 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 it doesn't have to be that. It could just be that you work more at work or you you become more valuable to the company that you're in and they pay you. You know, like the side hustle might make you 20 grand a year. You could be sitting on 80, invest in yourself, become valuable to the business you're in and get 120. Or you've mm. actually doubled your, you've doubled it without needing the distraction of a side hustle. Mm, so, yeah. So it, I think it's all like it's a case of where can you get your greatest return on time, hmm. and for some people, if they're in a job that's limited, then then do a side hustle. If you've already got upside in the current job, stay there and become the best at it so that you get paid more. One of those things you just mentioned where says those five areas of your life that you need to balance. Go through those again because I think there's probably lots of guys listening to this who may ne- have never heard that before, and I think it's very sound advice. For me, this wasn't something that we taught. For the first seven years, this was something that my wife and I came up with. What do we stand for as a family? That was it. Yeah. And we basically, you know, we just took a day out one day and started charting stuff for our family and, and what we stand for and what we value. And we came up with, right, faith first, right? That's yeah. That's got to be number one. Family second, yeah, right? And then finance, right? And, and then fitness, yeah. So, and then fun, so faith, family, finance, fitness, and fun. And we need to balance all five of those areas to probably call ourselves successful mm. um, and, and grow in all five. It's not about pulling one back to do another one. Yeah. You want to grow in all five. And um, we basically have this exercise where we get people to do like a wheel of life, right? So five spokes, you know, kind of going out from the center, rate yourself one to 10. And yeah. then you end up with this really obscure wheel and you're like, cool, that's where, that's where you need to grow. Right. Yeah, that's good. I love that. Yeah. And you know, for me, for the longest of time, it was fitness that was neglected. Right. Oh, I was okay. just working 16 hours a week, you know, and, and then I would spend lots of time with the family in the church and do nothing else. And, and, and there was no time for that. And I was like, one day I was like, you know what? I feel miserable. Mm. I feel miserable. And so mm. I took some steps to go change that. Right. Mm. So there's always one that's lacking, right? No one's perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. So so it's just a case of being aware and going, okay, well, which one is it at the moment and wh- how do I invest in that area? Uh, it's so cool, and particularly with the faith being first. And if you get that right and get that balance right and the family balance right, they all sort of flow, don't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, the one that I see most Christians do badly is fun. I mean, yeah, finance, but we spend a bit of time on that. Yeah. But just fun, like... Um, you know, and, and ironically you have to go without to be able to have fun. Mm. We, we, as a family, we didn't have a holiday for seven years. Actually, that's not true. We had little weekends away. We'd go camping and stuff. Um, but you know, and then seven years later, after we had gone without for seven years and, and we had built a bit of a nest egg and an asset base, I was like, cool. And now we do holidays really well, right? Because we can, and we have a lot Mm. of fun. Yeah, it's mm. good. Fun's important. Let me speak into that space from a, a men's perspective, and and we all three of us on this call and guys listening can relate to this. And and you suggest no toys, Wes. And you know when we think about that as men, we know exactly what that means. It's the cars, it's the bikes, it's the boats, it's the it's the bits that could equal fun to some degree. Um, I suppose speak into that space because the truth is, you talk about going without for a period of time, and that's okay. But, I mean, we, we, we like these things. And particularly as we get older, we might revisit the bike or the boat or we're in a position where we can have some of the toys. I suppose for everybody, that line is going to be a bit different as to how long do we go without before then we can maybe allow ourselves a, a treat or two and some fun. So in an effort to be <laughs> transparent, 
I have a boat. I have a nice car, right? So, so I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be somebody I'm not. Like, um, but that came a lot of years after making some really smart decisions for a long, long time, right? Um, the way that I view it, if purely, purely wealth creation wise, this is what I would say: your business or your income buys your assets, and your assets pay for your toys. That's the model. Mm. That's mm. the model that the wealthy have used forever and a day. Mm. And the reason being is because then when, you're, when your assets pay for your toys, the toys can go to zero in value. Yes. And it doesn't affect because, and then, and then you get more money next month from your assets. So it doesn't matter. Mm. But it's going to take 15 odd years for you to get in a position where the asset base throws off enough for you to have toys. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's a 15 years worth paying the price because- yeah. Because then when you can do toys, you can do them in a, in a way that doesn't bring you stress and anxiety. Yeah. Like, like I just said before, I have a boat. I bought a boat. It was, I think it was lockdown blues. Um, I, I, I wanted a boat. We were in lockdown. I was miserable. We live on a beautiful river. I was like, I'm buying a boat. Run it by the family. Good idea. <laughs> I found the largest trailerable boat in Australia. Oh, wow. Right? Um, and, and I'd never had a boat before. Bought it in September. I hate it. <laughs> I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy the stress it brings me. I don't enjoy the weather that we've had and not been able to use it. I don't enjoy mm. the fact that something's broken on it every day, even though it's only a fairly new boat. I don't enjoy a whole bunch of things. I just made the decision to sell it and take a bath. <laughs> it's paid for by the assets. Yeah. Just send me, just send me the keys. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you send me the check, I'll send you the check. <laughs> it, uh, it works out well. Um, oh, yeah. But I just use that as an example to yeah. say, once you kind of get your money right, those decisions, you can make them without yes. it needing to cripple you. It's the basis mm. on which you make them is key. Yeah, whereas if you scrape together every penny to buy it and then you decide you want to sell something or you have to sell something and now it's worth a lot less than yeah. you paid for it. Yeah. Like the stress that brings on somebody, it, 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 so the toy becomes a curse, not a blessing. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so, you know, for me, it's not about not having fun. We'll get rid of the boat and I'll go and buy a bunch of dirt bikes or something. Like we'll just try something else. Mm. But, but, it, but, it, but it was a, but it was after a long period of sacrifice that we were able yeah. to do it that way. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Well, let's talk about. I mean, look, most of us have heard the terms good debt, bad debt. I suppose let's, you know, we've we've kind of talked a bit about that without really talking about it if you were but i suppose just clarify you know for people listening uh, and then we can talk about credit cards and debit cards and things like that which uh, will relate to a lot of people but let's talk about bad debt versus good debt um yeah there's a lot of different definitions in the world I, i'm a fan of debt that other people pay off yeah. right I, I would call that good debt. i don't even know if there is good debt but if but if there's if there's not good debt, then there's bad debt and badder at debt. I don't know. <laughs> but any debt that I take that somebody, so if I, if I was to borrow money on a piece of real estate, well, it's the, the tenant pays it off and it's the bank's problem if it doesn't get paid off. Right. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I, I lose no sleep over that type of debt. Right. Um, and, and I, and I have that debt, I have real estate debt and I'm trying to get more real estate debt. Right. Because, because the bank becomes a partner to me to put up the money and the tenant is the other stakeholder that pays the bank back and I end up with the asset for free mm. or for my deposit, mm. right? which is wonderful to me. But but you've got to have a 10 to 15-year worldview to, to make that work. If you're thinking yeah. I need to get rich in two to three years, that yeah. model won't, won't work for you, right? Mm. Uh, I'm trying to get rich for sure instead of rich quick. Um, so um, 
Now, not a fan of credit card debt. I mean, I, I made that mistake as a young bloke and it always seems so innocent at the time, you know, and then you get another one and this one's only got six and then that one's got, and then, and then yeah. they offer you more. And then, and I remember one day and, and, and I, and I knew most of what I was talking to you now then. Hmm. And I still looked one day, I'm like, hang on a minute. I think if you add it all up, it's like $43,000. And I was like, that's it. That's it. I'm never doing it again. And so I just went out of my way to get all of those to zero. Um, and I've never, I've never had a credit card since. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was, you know, 15 years ago or something yeah, like yeah. that. I, I just was like, that's it. I'm, I'm tackling that and putting it to bed. Because the interest is outrageous, isn't it? In today's world. Oh, I, I think that, yeah, yes, it's a maths problem, but it's a discipline problem. Yes, no, no, that's true. I agree, I agree with both, yeah. It's yeah. easy. It's easy just to be like, oh, well, I can't afford it, but who cares? Bang, feels good, right? Yeah. And, then, <laughs> you know, and then you get caught in that cycle where the maths becomes a problem. Um, so uh, now, just to make it spiritual for a minute, in the book of Leviticus, we read about the Jubilee cycle. So it is okay to trade and borrow. Mm. Right. You know, and, and so basically God's best for humanity was a model where you work in seven year time slots and then 49 years. Right. So he, he basically said, yeah, go trade amongst yourselves and borrow. Um, but at the end of every seven years, you know, basically you've got to, you've got to cancel the debt clock and, mm. and back to zero, give, mm. give, give back your hired hands. And then every seven sevens, all the land goes back to its rightful owner. It all goes back to zero. The 50th year is one big massive party where you eat down everything you stored up for 49 years. Now you need God again because you've got no storage and, and no income, and you basically start again. Now, not one generation stuck to that plan. Yes. Not one generation stuck to a cycle. They all thought they knew better and just you know started charging people for stuff. But that's the model. And so what I glean from that is, it's okay to use debt strategically. And the way that it was taught in Leviticus was you paid a price according to the amount of years remaining in the seven-year cycle. Mm -hmm. So if I borrowed, if if I came to you and said, can I borrow a bit of your land to do some crops? If there was only one year left, I paid a smaller price than if there was four years left Mm -hmm. because I would have four crop turns instead of one. So they were okay to borrow based on income and future earnings and Mm -hmm. asset but God wanted a season where it went to zero. So I feel like for me, as somebody who's happy to take on debt in real estate, there's got to be seasons though, where the debt gets paid down and it's got to be shorter cycles than we might be comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to take on debt, I need a plan that's going to get rid of it. Mm. Well, I mean, we've covered so much over the last couple of shows, but to be honest, in some ways, we've barely scratched the surface. You, I mean, I know you have so much knowledge that you've imparted, but also so much that we haven't touched on. So for, for guys listening who perhaps are going, look, I I know I need to get educated around this. And I think this is most people's problem is that we're not educated around finances and this sort of thing. We just don't have the knowledge. Can you recommend, obviously, your website is a good place to start, businessgreenhouse.com.au, but you know, other places we can start exploring, I suppose, to at least start educating ourselves in this area and giving ourselves a bit of a leg up? In a kingdom sense, not really. Um, there's there's not a lot of kingdom voices that oh, I think are worth going after, um, you know. And so then we're left with secular people, which is a real shame. Um, you know, a lot of my training ground was like Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. And you have to look through the commercial side of that to kind of get to just a few things that really matter. Hmm. Dave Ramsey in the States has some pretty good stuff. 
I wouldn't agree with all of it again, and he wouldn't agree with me, so that's fine. He doesn't need to. He's going to lose no sleep over that. Mm. I don't. Okay, so here's what I'm saying. There's not one person that you can go all in with and get glean from. You, you've kind of got to go. Okay, well, I'll take a bit of Robert and I'll glean, and I'll I'll take a bit of Ramsey and I'll glean from there, and um, you know, and a few other voices. But for the most part, there's there's not one person that's like standing up as the authority that has a foolproof system. Are there one or two key tips that you would give men? saying, hey, if you do nothing else, take these three, let's say three or four tips to get their life heading in the right direction. So first of all, you got to learn, right? Your number one re- asset is yourself and your knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I've invested well over half a million dollars in courses, trainings, learnings, books, CDs, like over the years, just because I know that the system can fall over and the world can be against me, but I've still got me. Yeah. That's the number one asset class, right? So invest in yourself, go to courses and stuff like that. Um, the second thing I would say is start now and don't put it off. That's great. You want to add no time to the decision. If, you, if you're listening to this and you're like, I need to fix my financial life right now, add no time to that. Make it open another account in three minutes time at the bank and start putting some money in it, right? Just because otherwise nothing never, never gets started, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so forth. And then move the needle on your income. Get more income, whether that's in job or out of job or something like that, but get more income. Because if you've proven that you can live off this much, then every little bit more can go straight to something that can start to increase. Hmm. Fourth thing I would say is stay away from asset classes that don't have a yield. So put them into real estate, put them into stocks, put them into managed funds, get some financial advice, whatever you want to do, but don't fall for the trap of wine, art, crypto, and stuff like that. They are a disaster that offer you no insurance if it goes bad. All right. And the five principles again? Faith, family, finance, fitness, and fun. Brilliant. Brilliant. Wes Hohen has been our special guest the last couple of weeks on Momentum. Again, love you to check out Wes's uh, website, businessgreenhouse.com.au. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to this show and last week's show as well and just uh, re, uh, re-get this into your system. But Wes, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show, mate. Thank you so much for speaking to this space. I think we'll definitely have you back on because there's so much more that we could continue to talk about. But for the last few weeks, mate, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure and, and informative yeah. as well. So really appreciate it, man. Thank you. It's been great hanging out with you guys and you're doing a wonderful work. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with momentum.